0: If you have your Bible this morning, turn with me uh, back to the Gospel of Mark, where, appropriately enough, we'll end up doing the last little paragraph in Mark chapter 8 on the last Sunday of the year. Uh, One other uh, announcement. Uh, Because there's no evening activities and so forth tonight, uh, this morning we will need, after the service, for some of you who know how to do this and who are willing to help, uh, we'll be picking up all the chairs in here and also across the way in the fellowship hall and then uh, setting up the tables over there uh, for the West Side School. So those of you who are regular on Sunday nights and are used to doing that over there, you can wander over there and and make sure that that gets done uh, correctly. So those two, uh, those two things. But those. So and, and this will be on a theme that's been heavy this morning. This will be the last time you get to pick up chairs in 2023. So think about that. Not too much. Um, let's stand together, Mark. Chapter 8, verses 34 to 38. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me And my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, O oh Lord, in your strength, your King, the Lord Jesus Christ, rejoiced. In your help and salvation, how he exalted your glory and your purposes exceedingly. Lord, the desires of the heart of Jesus you gave to him to carry out in this world and the requests of his lips, uh, you didn't refuse him. Uh, You visited him with great blessing and through him you have visited us with great blessing. And you have placed upon his head the crown of gold. Uh, Father, in behalf of us, he asked life from you, and you gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. The glory of Jesus is great. He is your salvation. Splendor and majesty you have put ultimately upon Him. And when blessing comes forever, with the joy and in the joy of your presence, It'll all be based upon him. Because Jesus, the perfect king, the king that did what David or no other king of Israel was ever able to do, remained faithful and true, trusting you. And by your steadfast love, he never stumbled. And so, Lord, we are enabled by His strength and in His name and by being in Him to also participate, enjoy, and rest upon Your steadfast love. Lord, as we head into a new year, may we go through this year by means of the steadfast love of the Most High. And may we not stumble when trials come our way, when temptations come our way. Lord, may we not stumble when we sin by refusing to confess our sins and trust in you who are faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, Father, may we imitate our King, the Lord Jesus Christ, by means of trusting you thoroughly and completely into the coming year. Uh, We ask now, you to do this for us, and we ask that you'd come and meet us through this text and through your communion table. Your Supper, in Jesus' name, amen. So what do you think the big issues will be in 2024? Some of them, of course, are incredibly predictable, inescapable. We're all going to hear a lot more about the elections of 2024 than we would like to hear. Uh, We'll hear more about President Trump's legal problems than we would like to hear. We'll hear more about President Biden's age, Uh, then we might be interested in hearing all of those things are tremendously predictable. And uh, you can just count on them. But there are always elements in in every year uh, that are completely unpredictable, that nobody sees coming I was listening uh, recently, I listened to this uh, podcast, it's just a reruns of uh, a guy by the name of Bill Bill Pierce did a radio program called Night Sounds for 50 years, and now they have this little podcast that you can listen to these half-hour broadcasts, and it was out of Chicago, and so I grew up uh, hearing... uh, Bill Pierce's really melodic voice. Well, the one on the podcast right now uh for New Year's Eve is it's his broadcast for New Year's Eve for the year 2001. 2001 September the 11th, 2001. Nobody's ever traveled in quite the same way across the United States by plane since. If you're of a certain age, you'll remember that day with some clarity. The shock of it. Those images on the television. Um, That's the kind of thing you never know You can't see that coming. Absolutely unpredictable. Now I mention all that because there are things that are to be completely predictable and that we should plan on and that we ought to seek out. And and among those things is the place that somebody like Jesus Christ will play in our lives in the coming year. Our text for this morning um, reminds us that the king, Jesus, presumes that for his followers he is designed to play prominent place in the lives of his followers from year to year because of who he is. We sang this morning, because he lives. You might add, because he lives being who he is. Certain obligations invariably follow. Our Sunday school class this fall was in the book of Revelation across the way. And in the final uh, lesson for this fall in Revelation, it was Revelation 5, the vision of heaven, which beginning in verse 11 read this way, Then I looked, John said, and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne, And to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the living creature said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Now, American in American pop culture, I'll just warn you in advance, Jesus is going to be no big deal in 2024. Not going to be a big deal in the papers. He's not going to be a big deal on the news shows. He's not going to be a big deal at all in 2024. This is why in the revelation of God, John says, therefore, if you want to live it all wisely, You better hang on firmly, place clearly in your mind and heart, the assessment of heaven, the assessment of the highest, as to who Jesus is, and how important he is. And that's what you get in this vision, right? You have this picture of the throne with the father seated on the throne and right next to him is the lamb having been slain and then he starts marching outward and then the four living creatures and then the 24 elders and then the myriads and myriads of angels and then everything everything every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth, in the sea, all, all that is in all of those places, that is, all living things everywhere, are impressed with Jesus and sing praises to him because that's how big a deal he actually is in the scope of things. Verse 13 of Revelation 5. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory forever. Jesus. That big a deal. So our question is how big a deal? Is he likely to be to us in 2024? Because that's what he's warning his disciples about. That it's not safe, it's not safe to live in the world pretending like Jesus is no big Thing. I put our thesis for this morning this way. To live wisely is to have Jesus in the gospel as central to all that we are and do. To live wisely at any time, but particularly in this context, to live wisely in the coming year is to have Jesus in the gospel as central to To all that we are and all that we do. I'll just make three observations related to the words of Jesus here at the end of Mark 8. Number one, the wisest thing we can do in 2024 is follow Jesus closely. The wisest thing we can do in 2024 is follow Jesus closely. And calling the crowd to him... With his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and let him take up his cross and follow me, for whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. If anyone would come after me, let him Deny himself. It's actually just a little infinitive verb there. If anyone would follow me. If anyone is to follow. Let him deny himself. Or if anyone is to actually follow me. Let me warn you. That person is going to have to Deny themselves. Now, why would that be? Because he goes right on and says that. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and, 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 and follow me. Um, you remember when Jesus was facing the cross, he prays and asks if he might skip it. That's exactly what he does. Uh, We read of it in Mark's version, Mark 14, 36. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible to you. Remove this cup from me. He's talking about the cross. He's talking about... The arrest that's about taking place. He's been talking to his disciples about it. He knows exactly what he's talking about. He's told them in advance that it's going to happen. But here he pauses in the garden and he says, Remove this cup from me. Let's skip the cross if we can. Yet, he says, yet Not my will, but what you will. What you will. Yet not my will, but what you will. Following Jesus closely, right? You often have to carry things that you wouldn't have wanted to carry. You're supposed to handle those things in ways that you wouldn't naturally handle them. Well, analogously, that's, that's our cross, right? There's all kinds of things in our lives where we would want to say to the Lord, where I would desperately want to say to the Lord, I want, please change this. I don't want this to be part of my life going forward any more please change this but then you have to add yet not my will but thine be done and on we often go with the very things that we would have most desperately wanted to change. And they're not changed. They're still there. And we are supposed to follow and walk with Jesus carefully anyway, in spite of those things. Um, And we've watched people do it. I mean, one of my theological heroes definitely is uh, was John Calvin, and uh, and Calvin produced a tremendous amount of work, sermon-wise, commentary-wise. Still, probably the most significant systematic theology in the history of the Reformation that our men's group have been looking at for a couple of years now, the Institutes of the Christian Religion. And he did that under great political pressure and with lousy health, decade after decade after decade. What did he do? He took up his cross and he followed. It's intimidating. Right, Because you want to let yourself off the hook pretty easily. I do. Well, I can't do this. I can't follow here. I can't obey there. Why? Well, because it's quite inconvenient. His whole life was inconvenient. And you know of people like this. You, you, you watch around. You've watched them. You know people who did this right in, in front of you and left a, a powerful example that we're supposed to pay attention to. Remember how the author of Hebrews puts it. Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Why? Because as John mentioned this morning, Jesus doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, but then Jesus says something really shocking uh, in verse 35. He says, I know you're not going to want to do that, but let me warn you about something. Whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life, for my sake, will save it. Now, we in America are starting to experience what this means in a way that we didn't have to for a long, long time. In other words... America was one of the few places on earth that you could, for the most part, state Christian convictions out loud and pay no price of any kind for stating them. People might not agree with you, but okay, all right, yeah, all right, we knew that we, I mean... We knew there were Christians around. There's churches in every town. We knew that. That's changed. That's changed. Uh, It's changed enough just to the north of us. I'm about to read a paragraph from the book of Romans. And on the books in Canada, you could be sent to prison for reading this paragraph from Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 24. Therefore God gave them over to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. For this reason, God gave them over to dishonorable passions. Their women exchanged the natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed in their passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done And they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness and evil and covetousness and malice. And they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice things deserve to die, they not only do them but they give approval to those who practice them and now threaten legal sanction to anybody who objects to them out loud. Anybody who objects to them out loud. Um. In other words, it's not okay anymore to hang on to opinions like that. It's not okay. It is not okay. And Jesus is about to say to us, but from my side, it's not okay to be ashamed of opinions like that. It's not okay. And that's what he goes on to. Secondly, the wisest and most valuable thing we can do in 2024 is to seek the safety of our soul in Jesus. The wisest thing we can do 2024 is to seek the safety of our souls in Jesus. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in return for his soul? Now, right on the surface, you know, I might object a little bit, that Jesus seems to be urging us to practice a certain kind of selfishness, right? Be concerned about your own soul. Be concerned about yourself. Yes, that's true. That's definitely true. Um but it's it, it's not a pernicious kind of selfishness, so that's not really true. But on the other hand, he really does say, that uh, well, you better, if you're wise, be sure that you don't end up forfeiting your soul. Because as we'll see when we get to verse 38, Everything is set up all around us, designed to get us to do just that. Um, We've talked about this many times, but in secular storytelling, in secular storytelling, have you noticed this over the last 50 years? Secular Hollywood network TV storytelling the police interview somebody who quotes the Bible approvingly. Especially, they maybe they quote the Bible approvingly on issues that we've already touched on in Romans chapter 1. As soon as they do that, what do you know? This is is going to turn out to be a completely despicable person. Probably our murderer. But whether our murderer or not, this is going to turn out to be a completely despicable person. How do you know? They quoted the Bible approvingly, out loud. Story after story after story after story after story. We've all heard it. If you you are online or if you've watched any significant amount of television over the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years, you've heard that message sent to you more than a thousand times way more than a thousand times. Um, and we know what it means. Well, you better not say that kind of thing out loud, right? Because who of us, who wants to be... How would who, who wants in your workplace... Who want, I want to be considered a despicable person. That's what I want. That's what I'm hoping for. Kind of aiming aiming that those around me will hold me to be a despicable person. No, no, we don't want to be a despicable person. Nobody wants to be a despicable person. And we have an entire industry telling us, well, if you want to avoid that, you'll keep, you'll keep a safe distance from the opinions of Jesus, um, that's what what you'll do. Um, Because our culture just cheers on the opposite. What Paul wrote at the end of Romans chapter one in that 32nd verse is remarkable in how demonstrably true it is in our cultural context though they know the righteous decree of God that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. We set aside entire months of the year to that project. That's where we live. That's where we live. Um... And he says, and so before he gets to the last line, he says, so be sure you do not want to lose your soul, because what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Uh, Monday's Wall Street Journal, second section, front page, second section, up in the right-hand corner. Berkshire CEO-to-be prepares for Buffett departure. Berkshire CEO-to-be prepares for Buffett departure. So, oh, well, Warren Buffett getting ready to step down. No, 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 no. Five, five paragraphs into the story, we read this. Buffett shows no inclination to step aside. But the death last month of Charlie Munger, his longtime business partner, Munger died at 99, has put a spotlight on what happens to the 8th most valuable U.S. company when the man who built it and held it together for decades, Buffett himself, is no longer there. Buffett's 93. Buffett's 93. But the Wall Street Journal, notice how they set up the issue. So, what's the big question? Where will Berkshire Hathaway be when Buffett dies? And Jesus says, I've got a different question for you. Where will Buffett be when he dies? That's a different question. The Wall Street Journal is still miles away from that question. That's Jesus' question. That's Jesus' question. And that's the question that he wants to be our question, warning us if you want to watch, if you want to keep your soul safe, what would it profit Warren Buffett to be worth, as she's reportedly is, $115 billion? If in the end He forfeits his soul. We'll come back to that in just a second in our third point. But number three, the wisest thing we can do in 2024 is to refuse to be ashamed of Jesus in this adulterous and sinful generation. Listen to how he puts it. He's boiling this down, and now we get to the hub of the issue. Whoever is ashamed of me in my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, we might hope he says, Well, you know, thankfully there's grace. It really won't matter. Um, so, you know, if you're ashamed of me, eh, it's a little disappointing, but I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, you know, it's really, it's really no big deal. That's not where he goes. That's not where he goes. Whoever's ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels, when he comes at the end of the age. Use Romans one, but let me First Corinthians six, nine and ten. What scholars call a vice list. So here's one of Paul's famous vice lists. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers nor men who practice homosexuality nor thieves nor the greedy nor drunkards nor revilers nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God now you list you you, you list that vice list off in really any Mainstream cultural setting. And the condemnation that will come down on that list will be immediate and draconian. That is backward, puritanical, Victorian, ridiculous, shameful, hateful, inexcusable. But written by an apostle of Jesus Christ. Those are some of Jesus' words, in other words. Paul represents Jesus. He's not an independent contractor. He doesn't open 1 Corinthians saying, Paul, an independent contractor sharing some random opinions. No, he calls himself an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's speaking for Christ. Uh, And we know, we know, we go down that list, we're supposed to be ashamed to hold opinions, anything like that. And, and so he warns us. You don't want to, don't be ashamed of me in my words. Or I warn you in the end. You'll find that I'm ashamed of you. When I come in the glory of my Father. Because in the end, here's how it turns out according to Paul. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive what is due. For what was done in the body, whether good or Evil. That's basically exactly what Jesus means when he says, when the Son of Man comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Remember how James warns us, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. God, that's what Jesus is talking about here. He who is ashamed of my words. Back to Warren Buffett just for a moment before we go to the Lord's table. Well, you know, because this is what we always say. You can't judge people. You absolutely can't judge people. There's a piece of truth in that. But it's far from impossible to study up on whether somebody is ashamed of the words of Jesus. List off the opinions of Jesus on theft, on adultery, on fornication, on homosexuality, on blasphemy. On Just list off the opinions of Jesus. And then ask, what does this person think of those opinions? And many people will be glad to tell you that they believe those are the most despicable opinions that they could imagine. They hate all that stuff. Yes, they do. And what this text says is this. Jesus is warning such people. I warn you, I warn you, in the end you're going to find that was not wise. That was not wise. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his Holy angels. So in 2024, our, our aim ought to be, and we'll come back to this in just a moment as we go to the table. 1 John 1 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In other words, we know, we know who Jesus is. We know he's the great king. We know that we are to follow closely with him. If we're going to be wise, uh, we know. Uh, we also have to keep in mind one thing from we just passed over it, but just as we go to the table that in that last verse, to remind ourselves of where we live. We don't live in some kind of a spiritual neutral zone. We live in a sinful and adulterous generation. We live in a society where opinions exalt evil all the time. That's where we live. And that's where we are asked to hang on to the opinions of Jesus and not be ashamed of them. Though the bulk of our culture will think it's shameful to hang on to them, that's the trick. That's where we are. The men would come who will serve communion this morning. Let me read those familiar words from 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three and following. For I received from the Lord that which I also have given to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise also he took the cup after the supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes so as we come to the table this morning the question is simply are we trying to walk close to jesus Are we ashamed of the words of Jesus? Are we ashamed of the gospel? Or is it our gospel? Are these our words? Are these the words that far from being in our minds, hateful and backward and foolish and dumb, we categorize as light? And what we mean by walking in the light is walking in those words, who are Jesus' words, or which are Jesus' words? Who is the light of the world? That's our question. If you want to walk closely to Him, see this table is for you. You say, "Well, no, I, I, I want to go to heaven, but." I also desperately want to fit right in to this adulterous and sinful generation as seamlessly as possible. And that's just who I'm going to be. Or warn you that, that sounds like a not born again person. And Paul would say if that's who you are, then the table's not for you. It' also warn you, and in the end, if that's who you are, you lose your soul, you'll lose your soul. So with that said, let's have the men stand and we'll ask the Lord's blessing upon the bread. Our Father in heaven, we ask that you would enable us, To see the wonder of the fact that you did not spare your own son, but delivered him up for us all. And receive the promise that how then with him will you not give us all things, including life eternal, the new heaven and the new earth, the forgiveness of sins, fellowship with you and with your people. We ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.